Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks take on the Dallas Cowboys coming up on Sunday. And Paul Catalina of Believe in Cowboys, part of the Believe Podcast Network, is joining the show. The Cowboys are one on one going into Sunday, and they're coming off a huge comeback win over the Atlanta Falcons. Paul, thanks for coming on. Ah, uh, anytime. I'm glad you're having me. That's a terrible way to say it, but yes, thanks for having me. <laughs> I I wanted to have you on just so I could say congratulations because finally, I think everybody was wondering when it was going to happen. You know, teams were 440 and oh when scoring 39 points with zero turnovers since 1933, and the Cowboys finally did it. They ended the streak. And they did it against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, an improbable victory, but uh, I'm sure it had to be a fun one to watch for you. Yeah, it, was, it was very interesting and very fun. I've been covering the Cowboys for a long time. And uh, that was, they always have weird games. They always have weird games with the Cowboys. And there's a weird aura around them that is, you know, it's 25 years old and it's, you know, it's getting dimmer by the year about their, you know, their run in the 90s and what they were when they were truly America's team and all that. But that was one of the weirdest ones. And listen, I know the Cowboys deserve a lot of credit for that, but all the credit for ending the 440 game streak of 39 points and no turnovers and winning a game belongs squarely on the shoulders of the Atlanta Falcons and their hands team who, for some reason, doesn't know the actual rules of football. So, I mean, like the whole time I'm like, I was, I was funny. My mom called me and she had paused the game. And she said, what's going on here with the Cowboys? And I said, oh, mom, you know, like, here's what's going on. Like, they're about to kick an onside kick here. And I mean, they're not going to get it. I mean, who gets onside kicks really anymore? It doesn't happen. And then uh, I'm watching it. And like, while I'm, I'm on the phone with her, I'm like, what are you doing, Falcons? What are you doing? She had paused it and didn't know what I was talking about. And so I hung up the phone and she called back and goes, are you mad at the Falcons? I said, well, I said, no, I want the Cowboys to win. You know, I mean, and, and look, I have enough journalistic distance with them to like tell you when they're good or bad, but I've grown up a Cowboys fan my whole life. I always want them to win, but I'll tell you this. I was kind of pissed that the Falcons were stupid. Like stupidity angers me. It, I didn't know what was going on. Like, what are you doing? There is only one thing I can say in defense of the Falcons on this, Paul, and that is I have never seen an onside kick that Fun like that. And I don't know yeah, if they were, they were afraid that if they jumped on it, that it might squirt out in a funny way. It, that was so weird to watch that football just spinning around on the turf. Yeah. And look, that's life. Sometimes things have to happen. You know, the, the chaos theory of that, you know, the butterfly flapped its wings on that one just the right way. And that's how that ended. But it's still to me, like maybe they were mesmerized by like, oh, look at that. You just you didn't even use Never a seen that before. Just, <laughs> Yeah, never seen that before. You guys looking at this? Look at this thing. It's weird. <laughs> oh, but, wait, we got to get the ball. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, like and the, the, the fact that they still weren't the first ones to touch it after it went 10 yards and in just a swarm of them around there. Yeah, I, I can see how you would give some credit to the Falcons just for losing that one. But I think, you know, to give the Cowboys some credit and not something I enjoy doing, uh, you know, being <laughs> kind of an anti-Cowboys fan, I have to be impressed at just how resilient that team was and specifically Dak Prescott. Yeah. Look, Dak Prescott gets a really bad rap. A lot of times from Cowboys fans, because he's not Troy Aikman and, and for, for a lot of people, he's not Tony Romo. And a lot of people feel Tony Romo got kind of robbed by the Cowboys front office that they never really, uh, you know, put it all together. And, and my podcast partner is Orlando Scandrick who play, played with both of them. <laughs> so he knows. And 
uh, you know, he, he'd even said on our podcast, last, you know, on Monday about, you know, all of the different things the Cowboys didn't really do while he was there, while Romo was there and, and kind of how they went up and down, you know, so uh, the, the players knew that, like they knew that they, they missed their window. They really did. And, and, uh, and so their back deck Prescott is a very much a victim of people just wanting the Cowboys to be 14 and two every year. They want it to be 1993 every single year. And look, so do I, it'd be great, but it's not, and it's not been that way for a long, long time. So they want, they want that. And Dak hasn't done that yet. I don't think it's Dak's fault. If you look at Dak's numbers, you can really not say outside of a couple games where he's played poorly, that this is Dak's fault. It's mostly on the defense. So Dak is very resilient. I want Dak in the foxhole with me all the time. That's the kind of guy I want. Now, does he have to get a little better at things? Sure. But do the other, you know, 21 players have to, too, or the other, you know, 53 on the roster? Yeah. Well, you are going to find out what Dak is really made of when I look at the Cowboys offensive line and the injuries that uh, in the past, you could look at that offensive line and say, oh, well, Dak, you know, he has all those guys in front of him. Of course, he's going to have all kinds of time to throw. But now. Now with Tyron Smith out and, you know, you got your your center who retired and you're dealing with other injuries on the line with Lyle Collins. This is what's what's it been like as a Cowboys fan to see an offensive line like this in front of your quarterback? Well, it's not something that's been too uncommon of an occurrence over the last few years where they've had at least like little nagging injuries. Like, you know, Connor Williams, who's who's actually played a lot better this year, but, you know, he got hurt last year. And then, you know, they've had to to move people in and out based on injuries and Getting Lyle Collins back, hopefully next week, will change the whole dynamic of the offense. Mm. He is he is an elite tackle now. People he kind of fades into the background because the guy on the other, the guy just to his left, uh, Zach Martin is the best guard in football, and then the guy on the other side, uh, Tyron Smith, is a Hall of Famer. Uh, so and, and, and look, to be honest, Zach Martin probably is too. Right. And, and who knows, Lyle Collins could get there one day, but he's got two Hall of Famers on the line with him right now. So he's gonna you know fade into the background. A little bit, and uh, the, the they played pretty well actually last week, in spite of the first quarter, which was a bit of a disaster, with Terrence Steele, an undrafted rookie on the right side, and Brandon Knight, an undrafted uh, I don't know second or third year guy on the left side. They played pretty well. Maybe they have Tyron Smith this week. Maybe they don't. We'll see. But it was admirable that they were able to you know find a rhythm on offense, run the ball as well as they did, uh, and for Dak Prescott to throw for 450 yards without both of his starting tackles, who are both perennial pro bowlers. Well, it's interesting that he threw for that many yards because I feel as a Seahawks fan, you know, giving up 450 yards to uh, to Matt Ryan and the Falcons in week one and then 400 yards through the air, another 50 on the ground to Cam Newton in week two. I'm starting to think that we might be in for a shootout in this game, Paul. Uh, I think so, too. And look, as a Seahawks guy, you have got to be, you know, I was, I host a, a daily or a weekly fantasy football show uh, on Sikkim365.com as part of my other uh, gig. But uh, we were talking last night. And if you have like a daily fantasy team, like this is a game where you can just stack. Like if you wanted to pick, you know, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Amari Cooper, CD Lamb, Zeke Elliott, Chris Carson. Like if you could afford that roster, if you could make that work, you should stack it because it's going to be a shootout. Uh, I think DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett will have fantastic games. For the Seahawks, I think Russell Wilson's going to have a great game. I think Chris Carson's going to have a great game. But looking on the other side, the Seahawks haven't ac- exactly been, you know, the Legion of Boom this year anymore. Uh, you know, Jamal Adams has played pretty well, but 
you know, in, in where they're moving around. But are they scaring you? Are they getting after the quarterback like they used to? No. I mean, this game, I mean, 40 to 39 for the Cowboys last week, I expect it to be probably pretty similar uh, this week. I was going to say, you're you're talking to me about defense? You're, you're yeah. talking about the Seahawks defense? Because yeah. <laughs> the Cowboys, um, I was supposed to be, I, I went into the season thinking I was going to be impressed by that defensive line with Demarcus Lawrence, and they bring in Alden Smith, and then they get Everson Griffin, and they have Don Tari Poe, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be an outstanding defensive line. And I just watched in the first two games, and there's two sacks? What's going on? Yeah. I think what's going on is Mike Nolan is trying to fit some square pegs in a round hole. And in, in, in something like, look, Alden Smith fits this defense. He fits it. He played it before. He fits it. He's going to be like, if he can continue to play as well as he has after a five-year layoff, that's going to be a good fit. When Randy Gregory comes back, if he's got anything left, he's a fit for rushing the passer without his hand on the ground. Demarcus Lawrence and Everson Griffin are not. So they're going to go back to putting their hand on the ground and going because that's what they do. They're, they're going to have to make, they're going to have to morph this defense because through two weeks, nobody really looks comfortable, especially along the front. The defensive tackles have been abysmal. Don Terry Poe brought on the off season. Hasn't done much yet. That's not to say that he won't, but he hasn't. And then after him, because of the injury to Gerald McCoy, where they lost him for the season, right, right out of the gate in training camp, they've got Tristan Hill, their second round pick from last year. Who's been la, uh, to say the least. And, and they like him, but they'd, they don't love him yet. Neville Galmore, who's a rookie, and Antoine Woods, who's a steady and solid player, but also doesn't really quite fit in this defense. So they're not meshing as a defense. They don't look comfortable as a defense. No Leighton Vanderesh, no Sean Lee for at least another six weeks or so. Their linebackers are hurting because it's it's you know Jalen Smith is now uh, you know the leader of that group. Joe Thomas is okay as a backup, but you know the reason you don't want him starting is you know you you not. You didn't sign him to start. You signed him to be a backup. So, and then their secondary is just beset by injuries. No Cheeto Awuzier this week. No Anthony Brown. Trayvon Diggs is dealing with an injury. I think he'll play. Uh, and then the safety position just hasn't been very good. So, uh, you know, you might see Brandon Carr, who they brought back on the practice squad, coming and play this week. Again, that all spells, you know, especially for DK Metcalf, I think a big receiver who's <laughs> big and strong and fast and and really starting to come into his own. I think that spells a, a, a really bad matchup problem for the Cowboys. Yeah, Trayvon Diggs. You know, if I were him, I might be nursing that shoulder, you know, a little bit longer after facing Julio last week and now got to go up against DK as a rookie. He did a great job on Julio. Julio had two catches for 24 yards, so he did a really good job. He had that easy touchdown that he dropped that he should have had. Yeah, that, yeah. But outside of that, he did a pretty good job. Now, the other problem was, though, that Calvin Ridley's had two great games in a row. You saw the first one, right? You know, and then they didn't do a good job on Hayden Hurst at all or Russell Gage. So look, so maybe they can take one receiver out of the game. But that means that somebody else is probably going to have, you know, uh, a career day. Who are we going to see a corner then with Ouzia out? Well, I mean, um, I, I would think that maybe Brandon Carr. I mean, they signed him to be a safety. Like maybe he sees a little bit of time. Jordan Lewis. Reggie Robinson, the rookie, uh, Daryl Worley, like that's who you'll, those are the names that you'll see. So again, it's not exactly, you know, Deion Sanders and Darren Woodson back there. So it's going to be very different. So it's incumbent upon that front to create pressure on Russell Wilson, which, you know, is still kind of a double-edged sword because Russell Wilson, he's good from wherever he decides to throw the ball. 
You know, Paul, I'm glad you said that because I've been hearing the same analysis this year that I've heard in the previous years of people saying, well, just keep Russell Wilson in the pocket. But outside the pocket, inside the pocket, it really doesn't matter through these first two games. Well, Paul, looking at the clock now, we've now made it 10 minutes in. I've held off this long on talking about Earl Thomas. I got to ask you, are they finally going to come and get him? Let's talk about that coming up next. Talking to Paul Catalina. He does his podcast with Orlando Scandrick on the Believe Podcast Network. We're talking about the Cowboys and Seahawks coming up on Sunday. You know, with all these injuries to the secondary, Paul, how is Earl Thomas not a member of the Cowboys? As a Seahawks fan, I was led to believe that when he left Seattle, he would be in the Dallas Cowboys uniform within no time at all. He's out there on the street and and he's still not in Dallas. Well, uh, Brandon, let me tell you this. I was there when he ran into the locker room and told Jason Garrett, come get me. Uh I watched it. I mean, I watched him run in and I watched him come out and all the members of the media were sitting there going, what in the world just happened? I I mean, I've never seen that ever, you know? And so I think that was the beginning of Earl Thomas's um, walk into crazy town because he has the, the subsequent things that have happened since then, you know, all the things that happened in Seattle, getting hurt and flipping Pete Carroll, the bird on essentially on his way out the door and then going to Baltimore, having a good year. But, you know, they were mad at like he, he wasn't very punctual. All this stuff that happened with his wife and his brother and like the empty, the gun pointed his head and all like that's all stuff that even though the Cowboys who operate in this milieu as an art form of you know, bringing guys off the scrap. I was say, that's not players. unusual behavior for members of the no, no, Cowboys no. historically. It's, it's, it's really not. Look, I was look, I watched them bring in Greg Hardy and rip that locker room to shreds. No one liked him. I mean, no one really cared for Greg Hardy. He, he was just, he has, you know, he was one of those guys when you're around him, you're tense. Mm-hmm. And so they've done that. And that like to some success, like right now, it appears that the Alden Smith thing is working out and that's great. Good for Alden Smith that he's got his life back together. Hopefully the Randy Gregory thing will work out because he he's not really, you know, he's not done anything that's, you know, bad as far as like, he's never hurt anybody. He's just other than himself. He's just got, you know, some substance issues that he's had to work through. So hopefully he can come back, but uh, they brought in some bad dudes. And I think though, they're at a point with the locker room and the way it is that a guy like Earl Thomas has become so volatile that they, it's just not worth it right now. Plus I don't think, you know, it's not just the Cowboys that would need him. There's injuries across the league. Like no one's bringing him in. So the words out on Earl Thomas that maybe you don't want him in your room. The one guy that I do like for the Cowboys, and I'm really not looking forward to seeing him. So I'm curious what your take on him has been through these first two weeks of the season. I, I'm an Oklahoma guy. I went to Oklahoma. C.D. Lamb, receiver, goes to the Cowboys. I, I'm not exactly happy about that, but I, I'm happy for <laughs> him that he seems to be having success through these first couple of weeks. Yeah, he's he was he's maybe one of their best draft picks in the last 20 years. I mean, it just I, I mean, the way that I mean, it, part of it, I mean, it was all luck, you know, that fell it right to you fell right to him. And I still for the life of me and like I know Henry Ruggs is really fast, but I cannot figure out like I can get picking Jerry Judy over him because Jerry Judy is so big. Oh, sure. But and and kind of a unique athlete, but I could not figure out the 
the Raiders, and especially the kind of receiver he is, he's a perfect fit for Gruden's offense. He's perfect. And the Raiders passing on him, when that happened, I went, huh, what do you know about that? All right, well, you know, it's still eight picks or so. Yeah. That's not going to happen. And so the Cowboys got him. I saw C.D. Lamb a bunch. You know, I cover, I mean, I work for a website, Sigum365.com, outside of Believe, that we cover Baylor. You know, I worked for, you know, ESPN Central Texas. We were the flagship for Baylor, you know, before that. Mm. I've covered the Big 12 for my entire radio career. I've covered Baylor. I've seen C.D. Lamb. I've seen C.D. Lamb play in high school here in Texas. So uh, I know C.D. Lamb, uh, you know, pretty well from watching him. And he is fantastic. And uh, I think he's only going to get better and better each week. You've seen him already. He just fits what they do. And he fits with Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott loves him. Amari Cooper loves him. Michael Gallup loves him. Zeke Kelly, they love him. So he's fit right in. He's in his hometown. Uh, I think that's going to be just a fantastic fit for the Cowboys for years to come. The other guy on offense that has me worried, of course, is Ezekiel Elliott. And he's a guy who's, you know, just a physical style of runner. And he's been one of the NFL's best these last few years. How how have you seen him being used under the new head coach, Mike McCarthy? Not too much differently. They are throwing in the ball a little bit more, which I'm glad that they're doing. I think that that's better. Uh, you know, it's still pretty much the same offense that Kellen Moore was running last year. It just got a bunch of different looks. And I think that'll start. They'll continue to grow and morph. Had they had a normal offseason, I think you'd see maybe a much more diverse offense from like combining McCarthy to Kellen Moore. Mm. But since they didn't, you kind of have to start from this is what we know. And I think that that's where they are. So because they didn't have that normal offseason, you haven't seen a lot of the other stuff. I think eventually you will. But I, I really do like what they've done with Zeke Elliott. He's had, uh, I believe it's the two best first games of his career, uh, which is saying a lot, you know, as from wow. back to back of the two opening games. Of course, last year, you know, he, he barely played in the opening game, which they, they didn't need him anyway. They played an awful Giants team and just ran right through him. And then he played the next week and played better and better. But uh, yeah, Zeke is, uh, you know, he's, in my opinion, I think he's the best back in the league. You know, I I know that you can debate me on Christian McCaffrey or, or something like that, Alvin Kamara, but I do think he's the best back in the league. I think he's one of the best players in the league. And, you know, he's changed. There's not as many big explosive plays anymore. But part of that is just Zeke knowing that this offense needs to kind of grind out. So he's not necessarily, you know, just looking for that. He's He's become a much smarter runner. And now he's what fourth year going into this game on Sunday. You guys are one and one. Obviously, it was a big boost to, to get to that point. Uh, you'd hate to go in, I think, as the Cowboys 0 and 2 into this game. But what are some of your biggest concerns, I guess, when it, it comes to facing the Seahawks coming up this Sunday? Well, the defensive line, you know, look, Chris Carson uh, has been, you know, is a big back. Uh, you, know, you watch Malcolm Brown run pretty much straight up the middle. Uh, on the Cowboys in week one. I don't know if anything's going to change in a week that's going to help shore up that defensive line. Uh, I, I, the pass rush concerns me. You know, obviously the, the injuries that they have, you know, all over all over the defense, that concerns me. Uh, offensively, I, I, you know, I just think they can make it work. And and again, the, the Seahawks, you know, there's no Jadavian Clowney, Bruce Irvin's hurt. They've got a lot of, they've got a lot of issues on defense. You know, you know, Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams are going to get theirs. You, you know that. But it, this is going to be a shootout. Do the Cowboys have enough to keep it from, you know, you don't want to fall behind like you did last week. Like, can you, can you just, you know, punch back and forth until somebody makes a play at the end of the game? That's what they need to do. Cause they don't need to play games like they did last week. So they need to make sure that, look, if the, if the Seahawks knock you down on the mat, you get up and you knock them down. So 
just keep knocking each other back and forth. Let's let's watch Rocky four until until somebody wins at the end and just hope that you're Rocky and not drop. <laughs> so I hear you. You're concerned about the Cowboys defensive line. You're concerned about the Cowboys secondary. It's just the fact that Jalen Smith is your one healthy linebacker. Make that the strength of the Cowboys defense now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence is always probably going to be, I mean, he's the best player, but he's also dealing with a bit of a knee injury. So maybe, you know, I think we'll yeah. see him, but again, that, that gives you a little pause. Like, will he be at full speed? Everson Griffin will be a good player for the Cowboys eventually this year, but he just got there a, a few weeks ago. So again, he's got to play his way into shape. You know, we haven't seen much from Tyrone Crawford. I'm concerned he might, you know, he's still coming off a, a really tough, like run of injuries. So he's probably not back to where he he can be yet. So there's just a lot of questions on the, on the Cowboys defense. If you tell me like what my concerns are about the Cowboys outside of the offensive line injuries that they have, uh, you know, which, which will concern me the whole year if they can't get all five of those guys healthy at the same time. But I mean, it, it all starts and ends with the anything on the defense. I mean, they're just, there's nothing about that defense that makes me confident right now that they can impose their will and stop someone when they really need to. Well, let's put a, a little scenario together then for you, Paul, let's say the Seahawks are up. 40 to 35 with just under two minutes left to go in the game. Dak Prescott has the ball in his hands. What's your confidence level for the Cowboys? On Prince pretty high, especially after last week, he did exactly what he had to do. Uh, you know, they were one in six in one possession games last year. And a lot of that got put on Dak Prescott, but people forget that their kicker was terrible for most of the year. And Brett Maher, he didn't. So that's how you win one possession game. I mean, most of the time it comes down to making kicks, especially, you know, in the middle of games, you miss kicks, you know, could, could change the difference in a one possession game. So if it's 40 to 38, you're less confident than if Dak has to go and score a touchdown. Well, no, not anymore. Cause they got Greg Zerline. I mean, oh, they got Greg. That's Black right. Now, oh, so. Gosh, I hate that guy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you've known him for years. Yeah. So I also know yeah, John Fossil Greg- for years with the Rams and he always does stuff on special teams to screw with the Seahawks. Yeah. Bo- yeah Bones Fossil. Like he's, He's changed my opinion of them in close games. I have a lot of confidence now. If you tell me the scenario is reversed and it's Cowboys 40, Seahawks 35, and Russell Wilson has the ball, it's going to be 43 to 40 in, in, a, in about two minutes with eight seconds left and the Cowboys going, oh, well, that's it for that. I mean, it's what's going to happen. I mean, that's I, that's, I completely believe that's what happened right now. It does feel like maybe the first team to score 40 could be in the lead or, or just the team that has the ball last. I, I'm very curious to see that the one thing about the Seahawks defense is that these last couple of weeks, they've been in a position that they're not used to, and that's being up multiple scores. And I just I don't know if Pete Carroll knows how to fully deal with that uh, quite yet. Well, yeah, and the Seahawks are they've morphed into a like Russell Wilson's morphed into a different quarterback, a much like a, I mean, he's fantastic and one of the most fun players in the league to watch. He's morphed into a different quarterback than they were when they went to the Super Bowls. That's a different, they had a different offense then. You know, they were they were relying on a power running game and Marshawn Lynch. And now they can they can just have this new this weapon in Russell Wilson that they are fully willing to just let go. Well, when you do that, then it kind of changes how you have to play defense. And and really, you know, they don't have the they don't have the personnel on defense that they did back when they're winning Super Bowls. So they got to kind of, you know, morph the philosophy, so to speak, on on how they win games. And, you know, right now they, they've kind of been lucky in the first couple of weeks that even though they played, you know, Atlanta is probably better than Owen two really. Yeah. But you know, they've run up against what they've run up against and then their, their brains cost them the game last week. And then new England, you know, they're, I think they're still trying to figure out what cam Newton, new England looks like. And while that looked okay last week, it's still not what it's going to be. 
and then, you know, now they've got the Cowboys who are a team loaded for bear on offense. So this will be probably even a different game than they've had so far. Yeah. Tested in different ways each week. And Paul, before you go, any predictions on how you see this playing out? Uh, I like, I hope you like points. Like if you're a <laughs> like an old person who likes three yards and a cloud of dust and, and defense and, you know, it was better when there was no uh, face mask and games were 10 to six. Like this is not your game. This is not your game. It's not going to happen. I think Dak and Russell Wilson are going to trade blows back and forth. I do think the Seahawks probably win this game, but uh, it is kind of fortunate for the Cowboys that you know they, they have to go to Seattle, one of the toughest places to play normally, and there's no human beings in the stadium except the people that work there. Right. So, you know, that's kind of fortunate. And, you know, so, so I think that maybe keeps the Cowboys in it for longer. I think this is probably a one-score game. Remotely, like if it if it comes into a two score game, to me it means that somebody was trying to make a play at the end of the game and it went awry. You know, uh, I think it's a one score game and a high scoring game. I think the Seahawks win. He's Paul Catalina of Believe in Cowboys. You know, if you've got a Cowboys friend uh, who's not listening to the show, let them know about it. I I'm going to be tuning in this week. I'm curious, Paul, of what Orlando would say just about a player's mentality going into a game. Like, are you more comfortable going into a, a game? one and one than oh and two like I, I just wonder if they're in a better headspace now going in one and one than it being you know kind of beaten down through the first two weeks of the season I, he said uh, on our podcast we record one we do Mondays and Fridays Mondays is kind of a wrap-up Friday's a preview so on the wrap-up show he did say yeah it's way better to be one and one like you're you just you know you can put you're able to kind of put some of that aside and not fret as much mm. because you know you can overcome things if you're oh and two you start to you know that doubt starts to creep in a little bit which they're gonna have anyway because they know what didn't work out for them so i should have been know. rooting for a falcons win dang it I- <laughs> yeah yeah you probably, look you, you always I, I think you always want to f- face teams that haven't won yet you know co- like confidence is confidence is a very fragrant cologne you know so you don't you don't want that if, you, if you're the uh, the opponent. Paul, big thanks again for coming on the show and breaking down this game on Sunday. Looking forward to it. Yeah, anytime, anytime. Once again, a huge thanks to Paul Catalina of the Believe in Cowboys podcast. And we had some injury updates come in after we finished recording. Looks like Jaron Reed and Dwayne Brown are expected to play for the Seahawks. John Gilbert has that article up at fieldgoals.com. Four players listed as questionable for Seattle. Defensive end Benson Mayoa, cornerback Quentin Dunbar, corner Nico Thorpe, and backup tackle Cedric Abwehi. On Friday, we also got news that defensive end Rasheem Green is headed to the injured reserve, which means he'll be out for the next three weeks at least. He could return week seven versus the Arizona Cardinals, so that will be something to watch. With the injury, we could see Shaquem Griffin get the call up from the practice squad. Also, 2020 fifth round pick Alton Robinson could move up to the active roster after being inactive through the first two weeks of the season. On the Cowboys' final injury report on Friday, left tackle Tyron Smith is listed with a neck injury, and Coach Mike McCarthy says Saturday he'll have the final determination of whether or not he'll be playing on Sunday. Defensive end Demarcus Lawrence also questionable with a knee injury, and Chidobi Awuzie is listed as out. So the Cowboys officially going to be without one of their top corners in this game. And we'll still have to watch to see what their injury issues on the offensive and defensive line, where they'll be going into Sunday's game. Follow along at fieldgoals.com. Also, while you're there, check out Sam's film room from this last week. 
He has a post up about DK Metcalf versus Stefan Gilmore has the video breakdown. Definitely worth checking out. And two news items from this past week from Alistair Corp. Damon Snacks Harrison is set to visit the Seahawks next week after the Cowboys game. So that could help build the interior of that defensive line, help stop the run. Also looking to help stop the run on Sunday against Ezekiel Elliott with Bruce Irvin going to injured reserve. Jordan Brooks, the Seahawks first round pick at linebacker will get the start. I'll be back on Sunday after the game with the post game recap. If you haven't already subscribed to this show, SBNation.com slash NFL podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, go Hawks.